0: Welcome to City AM Unregulated. I'm Emma Hazlitt.
1: And I'm Zach Meir. On this week's show, the London Mayor Hustings.
2: The shorts are Zac, I don't think you're racist. Lord, no, I think the press are horrified. Are they legitimate? The 1.9 is back of the fag packet stuff. The 1.9 billion is based f- on assessments Why? provided by the... the assumption officer. upon which the entire uh, Zach attack... Campaign is based. We've done incredibly well under Boris in terms of. Boris Johnson. Next. Boris has shown
3: how to. Boris Johnson can take a lot of credit for that.
1: Held at the Institute of Directors and chaired by City AM editor and your boss Emma Christian May. How do you think it went?
0: I think it was the moment that things got a little bit more interesting. You know, so far we've had bickering about housing and transport issues and and things suddenly got more personal. We had all-out scraps on everything from race to extremism. From now on, I think we're going to find out which has the kind of statesman-like qualities that we expect from a mayor of London.
1: I have to say I was um, bowled over by Zach's charm and charisma, which uh, I think most people um, do uh, acknowledge. Um, I think that he was actually too gentle um, in the whole proceedings as well. Um, you know, He we did actually, there was a reference to the gritty, his gritty opponent, which he said, but it sort of seemed that, you know, sometimes he sort of just let uh, Sadiq Khan off the hook and I was, I don't know, it was, that was slightly uh,
0: disappointing from my point of view. Well, we spoke to some of those in the audience as they were leaving. Here's what they thought. I, I do think it is a very close race. For me, I feel that um, Sadiq probably has a much greater understanding of key issues for londoners
2: well, my name is padro klosesis i'm from lambeth neither of them address the issue of poverty which is a real issue in london felt that uh, Sadiq khan was more experienced in the way he responded to the question very diplomatic and very decisive hello good evening i'm alex Farberay, city am reader I came here very neutral, but I think I've left with a higher opinion of Zach Goldsmith. I felt that their policies are reasonably aligned, but in my opinion, the way in which Zach conducted himself throughout was better, and he came across as the kind of individual that I would prefer to have representing London.
1: Joining us to unpick what happened on Tuesday night are the economist Vicky Price and Alex Wilde from the Taxpayers' Alliance. Both were at the hustings. Let's start with the last taboo of politics, race an issue that's raised right at the start of the debate by Zach Goldsmith.
3: Do you think that those and many of the other examples that have been printed in the press, most of which were news to me when I read them, do you think those are not legitimate questions to us? Do you think the press are engaging in Islamophobia by asking about those links, by asking about those platforms you shared? Because that's what you've been talking to, saying to the newspapers today.
2: The short answer is, Zach, I don't think you're racist, nor do I think you're Islamophobic. Nor would I think the press are Islamophobic. Are they legitimate Or racist? Sadiq, Sadiq do,
4: you think, do you think that Yvette Cooper was accurate no. today to point out that well, she thought there were racist screams coming from the Goldsmith campaign? Is there any evidence of that?
2: Christian, just like Zach Zak is entitled to his view and to run the campaign he wants, so is Yvette Cooper. The point is this. We should be having this. 22 days left to go. An idea of... A battle of ideas.
0: So that's all come from Sadiq Khan's time as a defence lawyer when his clients included Barbar Ahmed, a man convicted of conspiracy and providing material to support terrorism. Sadiq says he was doing his job. Vicky Price, Zach Goldsmith started this. Are they, as he says, legitimate questions?
5: Well, I have really no idea. Um, Sadiq Khan has uh, already sort of replied to a number of those. uh, And, of course, what he did say uh, in the hustings, and I can only really go by, by what he said, uh, is that he has been attacked himself for doing what he's doing, if you like, by the more extreme elements of the Muslim community, and he used that, I thought, quite effectively to demonstrate that he wasn't the extremist, or at least he wasn't supporting extremists. On the other hand, of course, you see the the general backing he has from a wide area of sort of different races uh, that seem to generally, I think, at the present, suggest that he perhaps uh, is leading from the front.
0: Alex, well, do you think it's fair that a lot of the stories that have been placed in the in some newspapers um, have singled him out?
4: E- elections are all about you know, making choices, and it's the it's the job of a campaign to to frame the choice. And part of that is talking about yourself, and part of that's talking about um, the other person. You know, I don't, from what I can see, I don't think that Sadiq's done anything particularly <clears throat> wrong. I mean, he's, he was the chairman of uh, Liberty before he became a lawyer, before he became an MP, rather. And uh, you know he's a lawyer he defends people that's that's his job so so I kind of agree and i you know I don't know whether um the camp either campaign have been pushing this um you know beyond what I would consider to be acceptable, but I do just find it all tiresome i think they're both uh they're both decent blokes. And um, they should probably just get on with uh, get on with talking about policy. And Christian did very well to uh, to, to get them talking about that eventually.
1: I think that uh, this time, where we're just in the aftermath of the Paris and Brussels attacks, uh, it's it, although it'd be nice just to get on with other issues. Sadiq Khan is from normally from the community uh, which has been a part of uh, these 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 extremist type of uh, events. Uh, he defended uh, somebody who was involved uh, in. Uh, this type of uh, radicalism. Uh, he had the choice. He didn't have to take the money for that uh, particularly gig. Presumably, when he did that, uh, he did wasn't he didn't anticipate they'd be running for mayor uh, of London uh, a few years later. But uh, there's a massive um, Pakistani community, a massive Muslim community in London. And, you know, I think that non-Muslims and non-people um, of non- not that sort of ethnic background... Need to be reassured. they need to know um what the views are of Sadiq Khan. And uh, he should be clear that he doesn't can you know doesn't have any sympathy or or any ideas of uh, that, that are going around at the moment uh,
0: he was clear about that though I mean he you know he he took the opportunity to make it incredibly clear
1: I thought he skirted I thought he's he enhanced it very diplomatically and in, in a very smooth and slippery legal fashion so uh, although he appeared to, to do that i I don't think we knew anything we don't actually know anything about his views on that area at all and that's coming from somebody you know ostensibly from his demographic or his ethnicity. So I think he played it very cleverly. Um, I think people should be concerned. And given that we are, you know, on severe alert for, you know, some attack on the transport hub, I think he should make his his views much more clear. I mean, just saying that, for instance, two points. First point is actually representing that uh, Barbara Ahmed. And second point was producing information on how to sue the Metropolitan Police. I think that's not very helpful at all. I think that's, that's actually quite embarrassing, the other point with that is I think that Zach allowed him to get away on this race point, presumably because obviously then it would backfire, it could backfire on Zach.
5: But it's interesting when you just um, compare how they did uh, in the Hustings themselves. I think what he did say is he reminded people that um, Zach Goldsmith and, interestingly enough, Boris Johnson had both voted against the extradition of Baba Ahmed. So, uh, in a way, they were doing the same job as he was.
1: But, but that was in, on the issue of um, the, the unequal U.S. Uh, UK extradition rules, which means that the U.S. The US wants to put somebody on trial in the know. U.S. They can get anybody on any ground here. But if we want to get. If it's the other way, we can't do that. So yeah. it's a one-sided relationship. But this, this, this is a terror issue, and a terror issue is is, is a, a current one.
0: One of the biggest issues of this election will be the housing crisis: too many people, too few homes not enough money to buy one, and it's an issue close to my heart. Here's what the candidates say they'll do about it, starting with Zach Goldsmith.
3: In addition to land already controlled by the mayor, TfL land, if you squished it all together into one block, it would be the size of the borough of Camden. So releasing that land for development is the
2: first step. The second step is to grow the transport network to unlock that land. I'm not going to promise to next year increase the number of homes being built from 23,000 last year to 50,000 next year as Zach is promising to do. What I will do, though, is make sure the homes that are built are genuinely affordable.
1: I liked all, I liked all that land squishing from Zach Goldsmith. That's a very technical term there. But uh, he's uh, going to uh, build on all London's
4: beautiful brownfield uh, sites. Um, Alex, is that going to work? Um, no we've been hearing this uh, we've been hearing this for a long time from just about everybody how fantastic brownfield land is and how it's going to solve the the housing crisis there are two problems with brownfield land the first is that there isn't very much of it and the second is that it's often very very expensive uh, to develop it decontaminate it etc they're just simply isn't enough. I think if I saw some statistics recently saying there's probably about six years worth of housing supply with brownfield land. so by the time um, Zach Goldsmith is coming towards the end of his second term if that if that happens he's going to have run out of brownfield land and he's going to have to start either looking elsewhere or or missing the targets but I think these these targets I think Sadiq is probably um, right not to set a target I think 50,000 is, you know, doubling is, is would be quite extraordinary. And I just get the impression this is a sort of desperate move, a desperate pledge, which I just I just can't see him being able to keep at all. There's a problem in this country with the regulation of land, scarcity of land. And it was very disappointing, but hardly surprising to hear both candidates very passionately defending the Greenbelt which has actually increased by about 130% since 1979. That is the fundamental problem of housing, not just in, in London but in Cambridge and Oxford. Everywhere in the country is land regulation, a scarcity of land and unless we address that we can talk all we want about affordable homes and um, you know mayor's mortgages and foreigners buying up all the houses. It's all irrelevant. The problem is regulation of land.
1: Isn't the problem that just uh, this is not a uh, housing crisis, it's a migration crisis there's too many people coming in It's mean, uh, a golf all, un- course
0: crisis, don't you think it's time to start <laughs> building on those Surrey golf courses Well there's
4: a, it's quite interesting actually, if you look at the, um, if you look at house prices versus uh, population of London over the past sort of 80 or so years, you've seen house prices have gone up by about 500% in real terms and the population's only gone up by about 5 or 6% it's actually incomes and demand for housing, it's not, you know, it's not population increase um, you know solely That's obviously going to be a factor in the population of London is going to increase there's going to be more uh, you know more demand for housing but often what we don't talk about is not just the prices of houses but how small they are we have very very small houses and if you look at house building statistics it's not necessarily a good indicator of what we're actually what we're actually doing you know if there's a house and you convert it into four flats that counts as net three houses built but well, you haven't actually built anything you've just divided something up.
5: Well, I think it goes back to what, uh, actually, Zach Goldsmith did say, which is that it's the supply that's the issue. Supply and demand have simply not been uh, met uh, to, to equalise the market um, and clear it. The real problem, of course, is that there's been very little affordable housing that's been built. And that was the point that uh, Sadiq Khan was making, which, strangely, uh, Zach didn't really speak very much about. And, and of course, that's what we need, uh, given the very fast increase in house prices in London, And it is partly, of course, incomes, but I think it really is the fact that uh, local councils have not been building and also the way in which some of the planning uh, applications have gone and what councils have allowed to happen is loads and loads of luxury flats with very little affordable housing linked to it. And we've seen this very strange phenomenon, of course, given the planning restrictions that have been lifted, particularly in the area of converting offices into flats. All those offices have tended to be... Uh, converted into quite luxury apartments, um, accentuating the crisis, if you like, and so there is an oversupply of luxury apartments now in in London, and and not enough the other end. So one possibility, of course, is let's look at those and and see whether you can subdivide them, make them actually smaller.
1: <laughs> well, wait a minute. I mean, the the other the the issue with the luxury, you know, you're saying uh, luxury uh, the the properties are too expensive. But th- th- if they are too expensive, then people won't will have to live. You know, people who come to this uh, to this city will try and uh, get a job in the southeast. Will move outside London. Will move Where to they other have. places. But that have. will take out the slack.
5: Well, they have been doing that increasingly, and you see now house prices rising in other parts. Of the UK, uh, and we've seen actually sort of London and bits of the southeast seeing uh, declines. Uh, if you look at what is expected ahead, I think some some data has just come out. In fact, uh, most respondents to the surveys expect declines now in house prices in London, which is really quite interesting. Given given everything we've just been discussing, it is because people are moving out, or because they've given up even trying to buy any house because they just can't afford it. So the question is going to be: Are rents too high? for people here to to even live, let alone buy. And, of course, that's going to be very interesting given the buy-to-let restrictions that have just been uh, coming into force. Now, I think I just want to go back to brownfield. I think there is a lot of brownfield, and we underestimate what can be done with it. And, frankly, even if we got six years of what we need, uh, that would be six extra years uh, which we wouldn't see otherwise because I don't think anything else is going to build that... Uh, can fill that gap that we have in affordable housing.
1: But if there was much more affordable housing, wouldn't that simply attract, and this is the argument I came up with a couple of minutes ago, then you just attract more and more people to London, and the the, the problem would inflate again.
0: People are coming to London. People will always come to London. London is the hub of the UK and the hub of the UK's jobs, and I think it's going to be very difficult to to prevent that from happening, whether housing is affordable or not. It just means that rich people come to London now.
5: Well, yes, I I think that's absolutely right. But, of course, if they're forced to move out because there aren't enough affordable homes, then you need the infrastructure to be able to get them close to their jobs. Uh, That infrastructure costs, I mean, Zach spoke about that as being the thing that's going to unlock it all. Uh, But in reality, you know, the more you need to bring them into their working areas the more expensive the whole thing becomes. And urbanisation, whether we like it or not, is actually rather good for the environment and for everything else. It's actually a very efficient way of, of running your 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 affairs. Uh, and otherwise, actually, the Green Belt will have to be the answer if uh, if we don't actually allow more to be done at the centre of London.
4: Yeah, I mean, this, this it's not just building out, it's building up as well. It's height restrictions, and we talk about planning. It's very, very complicated, and all the tax incentives are just in the wrong places.
0: If there's one thing London's economy needs, it's a good transport system. The two candidates clashed over the claim that Sadiq Khan's plans will take £1.9 billion of the city's transport system.
2: Do you accept that the £1.9 billion figure assumes an increase in fares of 17%?
3: No, that's a back of the fag packet no, stuff. So, so you the the 1.9, the
2: the 1.9 that, is back of the fag
3: packet this, stuff. This, this based, is, this just the, shows, the 1.9 this just shows billion is based why. on assessments provided by the Office this, of
2: Budgetary Responsibility this, this and, shows,
3: despite what you said earlier, the Bank shows, of England.
2: This shows why it doesn't work, Christian, because basically the assumption upon which the entire ZAC uh, attack... Uh, campaign is based, right? Is based upon a TFL calculation, based upon a five-year business plan, not four, based upon inflation being higher than the Bank of England, and based upon an increase in fares of 70%. I don't accept that.
0: Vicky, did either of them impress you with their vision? I just don't think we can have
5: a freeze in in, uh, fares and expect the system to survive, uh, unfortunately. I mean, there is an awful lot of money that needs to be spent to keep it going to begin with. Uh, and, of course, to make something out of it so that it can then be reinvested in the expansion we all want to see. Uh, so uh, I think it is unrealistic to expect fares to be frozen, uh, and it, there will be a hole. Zack seemed to think, or rather, sorry, Sadiq seemed to think, and Zack was attacking him on it, uh, that you can do an awful lot by squeezing assets, <laughs> by which we mean uh, making it all more efficient. Uh, that is very unlikely to happen, uh, given the problems that we already have, Uh, with the unions not even wanting to change the way in which they operate, the difficulties we had with closing the the, the ticket offices in various um, underground stations. So these things take forever. And anything you try and squeeze in terms of the service provision is just not going to be enough financially to allow for fares actually to be kept.
0: I thought it was interesting that the point that I think it was Sadiq, made on bidding for contracts outside London, TfL bidding for contracts outside London. Alex, what did you think?
4: You know, let's try and make it work in London first. I mean, I seem to remember a very, very similar debate around four years ago between Boris and, and Ken about fares, and uh, unfortunately they're, they're both wrong about it. Um the the forecast, Sadiq's right to say that the forecast for inflation is out of date, it assumes it's going to go up to about three and a half percent, which nobody really, that's not part of the core, um, you know, forecast at the moment. Um, so it's not going to be one9 uh, Billion lost, but it's also not going to be 450 million lost, as Sadiq says. It's probably going to be somewhere in the middle. It's going to be about 1 billion. So, um, you know, maybe I think Zach should probably have just, you know, played it a little cautious with these numbers and said it's going to be 1 billion, which is a sensible uh, estimate because fares are increased by, can be increased by RPI plus 1%. Quite why. RPI is a good metric to increase fares buyers lost lost on me I mean Vicky's an economist perhaps she, can, uh, perhaps she can enlighten me but you know I thought it was it's very similar you know you can't have your cake and eat it you can't freeze fares and maintain investment unless you're going to get the money from elsewhere which may well end up being council tax it's just not possible and the TFL operating um operating grant is also being removed from government which oh, i'm in favor of i'd like i think fares should uh, i think fares should be increased and um taxpayers shouldn't be should be subsidizing it as little as as, as possible
5: well the reality is of course the taxpayer is still subsidizing a very large part of That's true. of the transport system uh and uh, and we see what happens when we try to reduce that in fact when you just look at overground you look at what British Rail was, and what we're paying now, um, we're probably still subsidising or paying more as taxpayers to have the system run than we were doing before the privatisation. Yeah, I think
4: it's about six billion a year, I think. Yeah, uh, it's Rail just huge. Operating grants, yeah.
0: Dare I say it, night tube?
4: Um, well, you know, I'm all in favour of it, but does it, you know, does it work with the unions? I mean, it's quite an old, it's quite an old system, um, the underground, and there's a lot of repair work needed. I mean, I'm, you know, I'd absolutely love it. I don't know how. You know, I just don't know how, how feasible it is. But if it's possible, then absolutely. You know, they have it in uh, they have it in New York, they have it in Paris, and uh, you know, London should have it as well.
5: Wasn't there a date announced? I
0: thought they're now saying September.
4: I've heard I it all before. It, yes, we <laughs> heard it all before. Yes, you're correct.
0: Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I risk all my friends falling out with me right now, but it kind of seems like a dystopian future to me, where <laughs> a lot of drunk people on one tube. I, I don't see how that can be a brilliant thing.
1: <laughs> I'd be scared to go on myself, so this is <laughs> even worse. But I, the, the, the main statistic with the, with the, uh, the TFL is the £50,000 a year given to tubes drivers, uh, which I uh, think if they got a little bit less, there might be a little bit more money for everyone else. But, uh, it's a very right. effective
4: uh, union, the RMT. It's very So, very yes, I mean, that, that
1: seems to be a problem that we've got a 1970s type uh, uh, industrial relations um, uh, process going on in, uh, there. and... Uh, we need something which is very 21st century and we don't have it yet.
5: But at the same time, I think it is uh, uh, just making life even more difficult in terms of reaching any agreement, saying things like or intending to take away the right of employees of TfL to travel freely and their, their uh, relatives. Um, so that is the way to go uh, about if you really don't want any agreement on anything.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, he's not in the race, but Boris Johnson loomed large over the debate mostly because Zach Goldsmith kept talking about him.
3: First of all, it is is correct to say that there have been more strikes under Boris than there were under Ken. The the principal reason for that is that Ken agreed to everything the unions demanded. Um, Boris took took a line. We've done incredibly well under Boris in terms of investment in our transport network. And it is the most important city in the world. And I think Boris Johnson can take a lot of credit for that. Boris has shown how to bang the drum around the world. I teamed up with Boris and various other MPs from London. Boris was elected without any targets at all. Uh, Boris Johnson, I have no idea, but I very much doubt that he'd have been campaigning for someone like Babaram uh, We are back on the map as the most important city in the world. Boris Johnson can take much of the credit for that.
1: Well, as they say, gentlemen prefer blondes, and it would appear that Zach is in that criteria. Alex, uh, any views of this strange relationship?
4: I, I didn't quite appreciate how much he spoke about him when I was at the, that, the event actually once you put it in a package like that he did talk about him a lot it's almost as if he's uh, you know trying to persuade Boris to come and campaign for him because he's some kind of popular figure in London or something I think about like
1: that a, isn't that a big mistake because I mean aren't people basically uh, we've had Pete Boris haven't we we're a bit fed up with him now
4: um, I don't know I think he he has a uh, Certain something which no, no other well whatever no other you know people like him he is he is a popular politician uh, compared to other politicians admittedly which it's a, it's a low stre- bar on the street
1: but, you think he's a pro- popular po- yeah I do
4: absolutely With the Boris bike and the got, Boris you know, Island his electoral record's pretty pretty impressive I mean he won twice in in London which is a Labour city and you have got. Um, You know, Zach is is not the same candidate as Boris, and he's what like ten points down in in the polls. So there's certainly something that something there. Love him or love him or loathe him, Um, there is something about him. that that is attractive to voters. He's electoral. He's electoral gold dust.
0: Even Sadiq name checked him as representing us while abroad. <laughs> well
4: abroad. I mean, there was a bit there. I heard Zach was uh, praising Boris for setting targets. But I mean, he, if he's not going to meet the targets, what's the 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 point in setting them? So it was probably uh, probably a little bit, probably a little bit overboard in his uh, in his praise there. I'd say. But I think Boris has done it. Boris has done a pretty pretty decent job. Uh, I must say. I think he's done a. a decent job on transport stuff and a bit annoyed about this garden bridge that's going ahead that seems like a, a complete waste of money and a bit of a vanity project but you know he's not he's not averse to clearly know, John is thing.
1: very persuasive
4: <laughs> clearly
5: well and, you, and i mean this discussion just makes me think that perhaps people haven't been in uh, cabs for a while um of course they're so expensive um, <laughs> yeah, and you can't actually you know uh, drive through London any longer, so he has in fact brought London to a standstill and one day we're going to regret it in a big, big way, but I was just thinking listening to those clips, uh, which were quite hilarious actually, the number of times Boris was mentioned, that maybe Zach is looking ahead, he thinks he's not going to win this, but uh, uh, if he doesn't, then by being very close to Boris, which we already know he is, uh, he can then hope for something should there uh, be Brexit and Boris takes over, or whatever may happen next. Uh, of course, which will be, um, you know, really helpful for him. And um, uh, so, so he may be just looking ahead at what may happen mm. next, uh, and that, of course, is the big, big uncertainty. Or if it did indeed it is him and it is Boris, uh, his closeness might actually mean that he can get more things done in London than perhaps Sadiq could. And he did say quite a lot, actually, about that, how... Yeah, Boris, made a big, is, yeah. Boris
4: made a big play of this yeah. four years ago, how he was going to get a better yeah. deal from Downing Street. So it's same same, yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's the
0: same thing. One, one of my favourite moments is when Sadiq and Zach were asked to name one thing they admire about each other.
2: Uh, the, the, the quality I admire most in Zach is he's charming. He's personable, uh, and I've always found him good company. Uh, I'm sorry that he's allowed those running his campaign to lock away the rules at with and put forward this person who I don't recognise and don't know.
3: I will simply say that Sadik has a quality which is uh, admirable, and that is that he is, um, he is, very, uh, he is very tough. He's a gri- I've come to a bit stuck there. He's, he's, he's a gritty campaigner, a gritty which is a useful thing as well in politics.
0: Vicky, do you think this campaign's got more bitter as it's gone on?
5: In the hustings themselves, at the IOD, at the CDM event, they were quite civilised with each other, even though they started off uh, sort of throwing various things to them. Uh, But I didn't really think that... um, what they were actually saying in terms of words was particularly civilized and of course the campaign that's been going on uh the evening standard leads or led pretty quickly afterwards uh, about uh, Khan's ex- extremism so so these things have actually stuck uh which is interesting but the rest of of, of the debate i think was really quite quite subdued in in a strange sort of way, didn't hear anyone raising their voices, and and I think that's that's rather good in many ways. It didn't show a huge amount of passion, but the words were actually there, and uh, and I think they will have an impact.
0: I felt like when when Sadiq mentioned the Zak attack, I mean, he really was on the offensive, wasn't he?
5: Well, he he was, yes, and and I think I think that's true. And uh, as they both said, uh, we've still got uh, a few weeks to go, and it's going to get
0: worse. God help us. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, it's been quite um i i wonder the extent to you know we've got local elections we've obviously got the referendum i wonder um if these campaigns have got a little bit more aggressive just to try and get some get and get some media coverage frankly i wonder how much uh how much that that's playing into it because it hasn't um it hasn't been particularly inspiring stuff i must say and uh four years ago it was boris and ken and you know uh, very polarizing uh figures both of them but they do have they do have that certain something about them that will, uh, you know, interest voters. And I'm just not, I'm not convinced that, um, that either of these candidates do. And that question that came up was sort of the... The obvious question, but also the absolute nightmare question. I really think Zach struggled to find really anything had positive problems. to say. <laughs> yeah, but I, I probably came out of it okay in the end. I thought I thought Sadiq handled that question a lot better than
5: Zach did. But I think the interesting thing again, uh, as it was Boris uh, versus Ken Livingstone, is that these two candidates, Zach versus Sadiq, are very very different. Mm. Uh, and I think that will polarise, in fact, the the Yeah,
4: electric. I mean, there are lots of parts of the the manifestos which are, you know, you you wouldn't be able to tell which one they're from, stuff about the, um, I think, Christian joke that one wants a council of business advisors and one wants a business advisory council and a lot of the uh, the broadband right. stuff. A lot of the broadband stuff sounds very sounds very similar. Yeah. A lot of the policing stuff's very similar. I mean, it's the, it's the transport and, and housing stuff that's really where the the differences are, I, I think.
5: Yeah, I know, but... I think it is the personalities I'm talking about. Anymore. Oh, the is personalities? Yes. Yeah, oh, well, yeah Zach's, same, Zach's for yeah, Zach's from money.
4: Zach's from money, and Sadiq is, yeah. is not, basically.
5: Well,
1: yeah. that
4: was the thing about the
1: the leaflets. I was looking, looking at the leaflets. You've got uh, uh, Sadiq with his uh, council house dweller. It's uh, a good to story. be, to be, to great, be. Great backstory. It's great, <laughs> a great inverted snobbery story as well. And then the other <laughs> the other thing with the son of a bus driver versus the son of a billionaire. And, you know, which one would you choose? As if being the son of a bus driver is better than being the son of a yeah,
4: I mean, frankly, I just don't care. I'll judge them on the merits of the, of the policy. But, but obviously, it, is, it is a very appealing sad- But, but obviously, to Zach.
1: Obviously, yeah. Sadiq uh, thinks that, you know, his humble background is a winning
4: thing. He's probably thing right. Was, He's probably right.
0: Sadiq does like to remind us at every available opportunity that he is the son of a bus driver.
5: But, but with, they always say about it, a good politician is somebody who repeats the point again and again, and yeah. finally it sticks.
0: Indeed, indeed.
5: And we do all know it. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs>
1: Thanks to Vicky Price and Alex Wild, this has been City AM Unregulated.
0: City AM Unregulated is an audio boom production.